What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash Tales from Tech Support. So, kind of fell off the wagon again this past week uh, with getting most of my episodes out. So, things got busy. You know, we had that funeral last week, uh, early last week in Williamsburg, viewing and service. And then we had another visitation where they were originally from in Baltimore. So, we went over there Friday, didn't get back till late Friday night. And, uh, yeah. It's just one of those things, life happens, so uh, life and death happens, so yeah. Anyway, appreciate everybody watching the videos, commenting, and uh, condolences to those of you that uh, gave any on the channel. And if you're observant, you've noticed by now that uh, the tree is gone. I kind of didn't have much of a choice. We're starting to grow things for ourselves here, starting seed flats for stuff that go in the garden and seed flats of microgreens and then sprouts tons of sprouts so uh if you're interested lentils sprouting lentils uh they're great they're awesome got kind of a i don't know everybody says nutty flavor i don't really get nut out of it but they are a legume and uh they're really good in salads stir fry things like that i haven't tried mung beans and things like that yet and we tried alfalfa seeds, and they're okay, but uh, I don't know. They just they just weren't doing it for me. So um, these are broccoli sprouts. So another mm, two days. Like tomorrow, they'll go through the whole day, and then the next day, I'll put them under some artificial light or in the sun or in a sunny window and let them green up really green. And then we'll rinse them. We rinse them, and the seed holes float to the top when we're rinsing them, and we can scoop them off. And uh, you get nice little greens for your salad, your sandwich, whatever. And I just dumped all that water on my leg. It's pretty cool. You got these little screen lids so that you can fill them with water, rinse them, and dump it out. And uh, get most of your water out so you don't dump it in your lap. Anyway, we're going to start another channel soon, my wife and I. And uh, it's going to have a lot of family stuff, house stuff, lifestyle things, uh, homesteading but not... I mean, you know, we're we're not exactly in the city, but we're not exactly in farm country like where we are with our house. So we're starting small, scaled way back. We've got some uh, hens that we're going to be picking up in the next, well, we're going camping next weekend. So another weekend gone out of town. Uh, so probably right after this upcoming weekend, we're going to pick up some hens that my daughter picked up for us. She's hen sitting uh, in her flock. She integrated them. They're going through their molt, so they don't look like much right now. Uh, look like they got caught in a wind tunnel. Bad. Anyway, that'll fix, you know, they'll get their adult big girl feathers, and then they're already starting to lay eggs, so that's good. They'll start paying for themselves soon. Uh, then it'll probably take at least six months for them to pay for the cost of the coop. So, you know, we'll, we'll have a break-even period sometime before Christmas and see how it goes. Anyway, long-winded again. Let's get to the stories. The Longest Wild Goose Chase As I've said in previous posts, back in the 80s, I was a member of the worldwide support team for a mainframe DBMS. As I was the only member who was a childless 20-something, I was the one who tended to have to haul ass to customer sites when things got critical. As anyone who's done this sort of work will tell you, this is not as fun as it sounds. So how was the south of France at the weekend? Marseille Airport is a dump. The customer site was on an industrial estate in the middle of nowhere, and when I finally got to the motel at 3am, I discovered that my camera had been stolen. 
That was a typical post-trip exchange. So we had this one customer in Hong Kong that due to specifics of their application seemed to manage to hit every bug harder and faster than everyone else. And because it was a critical system, to the point where if there was downtime of more than a few minutes, the knock-on effects tended to make the evening news. When they went down, the company paid attention. One Wednesday at about 4 p.m., the phone rang. It was Hong Kong, and something had gone horribly wrong. One of their key application components just plain wouldn't run, and they needed me there immediately to get it fixed. Well, the symptoms of the failure they were getting were a perfect match for a known problem caused by a fault in a runtime library belonging to the application development environment. But they insisted that they were patched up to date and that this must be a new problem. Pressure was applied up and down the line, and I was duly dispatched on a big paraffin budgie towards the fragrant harbor that following Saturday. When I landed at Kai Tak, Kai Tak? I don't know. On Sunday morning, I was surprised to be met by an old friend and colleague who had been dragged in from Melbourne on the Friday to provide cover and who greeted me thus. You were right. They had applied that fix, but not in the environment they were running the production job. I figured we fixed it about the same time your plane took off. Shall we go to the pub? Fatal mistake. After a few Sunday lunchtime pints, I got into my hotel and crashed far too early and subsequently had the worst jet lag of my life until my return flight the following weekend. At least that trip only lasted a week. The previous time I had been hauled out there to help diagnose and fix a problem that was blocking the acceptance test for the entire project. I was supposed to be there for a week and packed accordingly. I fixed the problem, or rather the dev team back home did while I did all the evidence collection and initial analysis, but the big suits decided that I should stay until project sign-off in case anything else broke. The net result being that I was there for nearly a month in total, the last two weeks of which I was simply wandering around Hong Kong carrying a pager, and my main GR's collection of clothing went through the hotel laundry a number of times, sufficient to generate bills that would have paid for me to replace the lot a couple times over. The expense claim at the end of that one was legendary. I have no idea what half of that meant. But I will say this. I've done construction work over the road. I've done local construction work. And the travel jobs always seem to be the weirdest and worst case scenarios usually. You know, the job itself, you know, you plan to be there for months at a time. Doing a fast track restaurant or office building, things like that. And that's all well and good. You know, you have your, your ups, your downs, your schedule mishaps. Very rarely does anything come in early. Uh, but if you can mitigate how late things come along uh, and your turnover at the end when operations starts getting the building going, then okay, you've done your job well and usually you'll get some kind of bonus. Well, then, you know, come 30 days later, they want somebody to go back and do punch list work or warranty work. And I'm not sure why they went after the superintendent to do this when they have guys, you know, carpenters, roving carpenters that can do this kind of stuff. Um, I don't know. It was beyond me, especially with the rate that I was getting paid. I was salary, but anything on punch list stuff or warranty work, I was paid hourly and I was paid the whole time. When I left my house, I wasn't done being paid until I got home. So, hey, you, you want to spend that kind of money? Go for it. You know, and then I'll add on top of that a per diem plus flight costs, plus boarding, plus, you know, you, you get the drift. And uh, usually it was for nothing. Usually it was something that I could fix in a matter of a couple hours. And at the minimum, I was there for two days. So yeah, pint time it was. How Train Simulator became the bane of my life. So to preface this, I do not work in tech support. There may be many things I do within that could have been solved quicker and more efficiently by a smarter person. But then the story wouldn't be half as long-winded and funny. 
So my dad is a retired man who doesn't game much, but when he does, he loves to play Train Simulator, the old age of Empire games and surprisingly Colin McRae Rally. About two months ago, he told me that he had started getting a weird problem. His PC was randomly blue screening, mostly whilst gaming, but not always, and the problem was intermittent and sometimes didn't happen for weeks and sometimes multiple times a day. This already sounded like my sort of nightmare, parent tech support issue, but I said I'd help. My only clue was my dad had said that the blue screen mentioned a memory error. This clue ended up being a red herring that led me down the entirely wrong path. So I headed around with some spare RAM I had and replaced his RAM. A few days later, he called to inform me the crash had happened again. My dad also had wanted a bigger hard drive, so I decided to get him a new SSD and did a complete reinstall of his system and took his old hard drive out, wondering if that was the issue. I'd gotten my hopes up this had worked because I didn't hear anything from him regarding the PC for nearly three weeks. Then it crashed again and I was frustrating back to the drawing board. Eventually my dad was going on holiday for two weeks and I asked him to drop his computer off so I could finally solve this issue. I had to reproduce the error myself, I felt because otherwise I just wasn't well educated enough to fix this myself, but if I found out what the error was then Google would be the hero. So I took the PC in and loaded up Age of Empires 2 and got to playing. I played that game for about three hours, but no crash. Weird. The next day I came back and tried some other games on his PC, including his ancient version of Colin McRae Rally, which let me tell you is utterly awful to play with a keyboard and mouse. Still no luck. This was the moment I'd been trying to avoid. I was going to have to actually play Train Simulator to fix this problem. So I steeled myself for the awful experience that was to come and began to play this cursed game. I'll spare you the details because man was not meant to endure that tediousness, but I'll say that after a couple of hours, the PC finally crashed. Yet it didn't crash to a blue screen like I was expecting. It just turned completely off and even more strangely, when I turned it back on, immediately turned off again once I got into Windows. Immediately I thought something in this PC must be overheating, but that's crazy because I cleaned the fans, heat sink, and power supply when I installed the new hard drive. Getting to work, I installed some heat monitoring software and kept it on display on my second monitor and jumped back into Train Simulator. It was during some cursed turn in some Highland Scottish railroads that I noticed the CPU was starting to get dangerously hot. And sure enough, the PC crashed moments later. But the fan was working and clean, as was the heat sink. I was nervous the CPU was busted or something because that'd be expensive to fix. But I decided to have a look at the processor physically. Though I'm not sure why, because it's not like you can eyeball a broken processor and diagnose the problem, but I went ahead anyway. When I unscrewed the heatsink, I got a strange surprise. There was absolutely zero thermal paste on the CPU. I don't know if there had been and it had like degraded away, or the company my dad had initially bought this PC from years ago just failed to paste it. In any case, there was absolutely no paste. I didn't actually have any paste, so I had to wait a day for some to arrive from Amazon. But after that, I cleaned the processor, pasted it up, and put the PC back together. That's when it depressingly hit me. I was going to have to play Train Damn Simulator a final time to see if the problem was fixed. After four hours of Train Simulator, I concluded I had suffered enough and either the problem was fixed or I was giving up. When my dad returned from his holiday, I gave him his PC back and told him to keep playing Train Simulator. He told me recently that he's been playing it an awful lot and not encountered any issues, so I'm nervously putting this down as solved. There's still some mysteries around this that bug me. What was the blue screen my dad saw? Was there actually a memory error I accidentally fixed during all this or did he just get confused? Why was it crashing a lot more frequently and in many computer games for my dad but only Train Simulator for me? That one I think is because he plays his PC in a roasting hot attic. At least that's the answer that satisfies me. 
But most importantly of all, the biggest mystery that still haunts me, why the hell do people play Train Simulator? Yeah, I don't understand where the blue screen came from, except if he's playing in a hot attic, that is going to mess some things up. I've, I've had it happen to me with a laptop and this PC, as a matter of fact, where it didn't, this, the PC didn't crash. It actually, I had the core temp app running on my uh, desktop here and I could see the temperatures were starting to climb. So I got the hell out of there. Uh, my son-in-law still uses the attic. Now we're going to, we're coming into spring. So at some point he's going to have to move his PC downstairs to be able to use it. Uh, I'm not sure where, but we'll figure something out. And uh, in the wintertime, it's nice and cold up there, so it's no big deal. That thing runs like a mainframe in an air-conditioned room. And as far as people playing Train Simulator, I kind of get it. You know, it's a generational thing, depending on what generation your dad is. And I sort of get it. I mean, I'm a puzzle guy. Uh, I'm not like an action game guy or anything like that. I don't think I have the dexterity or the, you know, I'm not fast enough for that stuff. But, you know train simulator game when we were kids you know everybody wanted to be either a train conductor or a fireman a policeman you know that kind of stuff we all had our thing uh you know the generation before me it was a lot of you know train conductors engineers cowboy whatever whatever movies were on and tv shows that you watched you kind of a lot of kids got their brain into that kind of stuff you know that oh that's what i want to do when i grow up so yeah i could kind of see doing it and it's just one of those things that passes the time and it's something to fidget with. I mean, it's better than, I think it's better than just sitting there watching mindless television for hours on end, which I grew up doing. So, and if I say that, that's really something. The server's down, but hey, at least the floors got vacuumed. All right, this one should be short and sweet. Been a while since my last post, so hopefully I don't bump into any new rules along the way. Backstory. At the time of this story, I'd recently started work at a small IT support company, which had various remote clients, about 15 to 20 minutes drive from our main office. Most of what we did involved remote support, but there was often on-site work as well. One particular client, I'm going to call Woody's Woodworking, or WW for short. Our contract with Woody's involves basic maintenance of their on-site hardware, which usually is just the bi-monthly emptying of sawdust in the cases. Today, however, they just reopened after a holiday period and noticed their file server was down. Jessica from Woody's calls to request support for this one while I'm out on site with another client. She informs me the server is down, and I give her instructions on how to identify if it's powered on. I verify that it's not online on any desk or team viewer, and in this time, Jessica has decided to start rebooting anything tech-related in what she thought was the server room. Now, to be clear, I'd never worked with Jessica at Woody's, let alone on their site before this day. So I was piloting a non-tech-savvy client blindfolded into finding a server I didn't know where it was and identify the issue with it. We quickly gave up and assigned this as a service call, and I went out on site once I'd wrapped up with my current client. By the time I rock up, Jessica was on break and I was left with her co-worker, Carl. Carl was slightly more tech-savvy, but not quite enough. When asked to take me to his server room, Carl took me to his main fiber ingress point to the complex, a messy cabinet in the break rooms of cables and haphazardly arranged networking components. A Wi-Fi router here, a 24-port gigabit Ethernet switch there. At this point, I recall during handover from the previous tech that Woody's Woodworking was using a series of cheap NUCs purchased from a certain Chinese online retailer, and these served predominantly their office staff, but also their file server. So going into the office section of the complex, I found it. A NUC sitting in the back corner of the absent manager's overcrowded with junk office, alongside two 
Western Digital Red sitting in an offline external USB caddy, and the cause of all our problems. Woody's had cleaning staff come in a week before they opened back up. These staff had used any available PowerPoint to power their vacuum cleaners. One such PowerPoint they chose to use was an occupied one, the servers. And rather than restore the machine, they simply left it powered off. Nobody knew where this server was, or even that it was a server, and so it just stayed off until I switched it back on. Fortunately, no data was lost. The server was back up and running in about 10 minutes, and considering how busy I was, we called it at that. I'd later go on to move their server into the same cabinet as their networking spaghetti, put a lock on it, and give the manager the only spare key. Kind of reminds me of a story we heard for years over and over about some cleaning person coming in with either a vacuum or a floor buffer into a hospital room or a nursing home room or something where somebody was on life support and pulling the plug so that they could plug their cleaning machine in and, uh, yeah, inadvertently killing the patient. But it was never discovered before the cleaning person had plugged the unit back in and everything seemed fine, uh, except why did, you know, why did the person die? And I guess this was the days before, you know, an alarm would sound at the nurse's station when power went off or the patient's vitals changed, things like that. So I don't know if it's true or not, but it sounds good. Your BlackBerry stopped working? I think I know what happened. Some years ago, I was running IT for a department at a university. We had many academic staff who thought they were a lot more important than they actually were. And a few who were exactly as important as they thought they were. We got a call in one day from the PA of one of the latter, who said, Mr. C's BlackBerry isn't working anymore. Can you please come and have a look at it? Mr. C was an adjunct appointment, meaning we probably didn't actually pay the guy. He was the former head of a national political party, and in the running to be prime minister at one time. We were under instructions to keep the guy happy. Fair enough. So we didn't actually provide or support Blackberries, and it was a bit of a surprise to get a support call for one of them. But again, Mr. C was important. So I went along to see what the problem was. I arrived to Mr. C's office and had a look at his BlackBerry. Sure enough, it had been remote wiped and bricked. I gently brought up that this looks like it had happened and asked where it came from. He said, I got it from Parliament. I use it every day. Being a follower of news, I again gently said, I don't presume to know your business, but I recall you didn't run for re-election six months ago. Do you think that because you're no longer a member of Parliament, that might be why? The proverbial light bulb went off and he said glumly, Hmm, yeah, I think that's possible. I never heard from him again, and he went on to become an ambassador and state governor. Six months? Are you kidding me? They're going to let you use a BlackBerry free range out in the wild for six months? Um, and I'm pretty sure there was, I don't know how, how sensitive material would have been on the BlackBerry, but it still can't be good. I mean, there's got to be some kind of security protocols for that, right? Uh... I don't know. It's like letting one of your employees keep all their passwords and access to the network after they've quit or been fired. Uh, wow. I don't know. All right, guys. Well, let me know what you think about the idea of my wife and I doing a channel about uh, life, big family life, uh, multi-generation, multi-generational living life, uh, you know, small scale homesteading, things like that. Yeah, I, I think it'll be good. And, uh, you know, maybe you guys might get a kick out of it too. Who knows? You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.